Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Fluently Forward. Today, we are doing an episode that you guys voted on over on Instagram. I was in between for this week doing like a deep dive of Wendy Williams and kind of like a conspiracy-focused episode with her guardianship, or is it a conservator conservatorship, her recent diagnosis of dementia, her documentary that came out, but you guys picked this episode by a hair. So we might still do the Wendy Williams one. Let me know if you're interested in that, where we are going to be covering Ariana Grande. And at first I wanted to do a timeline of her homewrecking, alleged homewrecking. But now I think I put together this timeline that I was just personally interested in because I feel like there's a lot of things going on with Ariana Grande. Obviously her dating Ethan Slater, who is a very recently divorced man with a newborn baby, her Wicked co-star. I'll be getting into all of this later, but I just figure if you're listening to this, like you already know, I I don't have to kind of explain all of it from the top. Um, So obviously that has spurred all of these notions of Ariana Grande being a homewrecker. So I wanted to kind of do a past history of her relationships, but then I also wanted to do a timeline not just of her relationships, but also of her trauma. And then I also wanted to do a relationship of her physical appearance, shape-shifting abilities. And then I thought, well, why don't I put this timeline together and see what influences what? Because there's all these theories on the internet. Some people are saying, oh my God, she changes her appearance to fit every boyfriend who she's with and it's so obvious. And then other people are saying, well, her trauma is actually what then makes her change her appearance because she's trying to escape all of these tragic things that have happened in her life. And then some people say, well, she's actually home wrecking as a result from her trauma. So I thought if I put together a timeline with mentions of her trauma, her appearance changes and her relationships, maybe we can find some kind of parallels in between and see what is influencing what. And before we get in, I just wanted to say thank you so much to everybody who has bought merch. You guys have been DMing me all of your floozy, hello, hello, and very much in love apparel. If anybody is interested, fluentlyforward.com slash merch. We still have 99 pieces available, but but, uh, a Dax Shepard isn't one. I don't know. So go and check that out if you want. Everything is upcycled and screen printed. Every piece is unique and was hand-selected to be the best quality piece. So uh, without further ado, let's get into the episode. And I have to do a little caveat. I'm a little nervous for this one, okay? Because I feel like when you're a creator in the pop culture space, you kind of pay attention to other creators' content so you can observe their backlash and see how it's going to be for you. And this one is tricky because I remember Beyond the Blinds did an episode all about Ariana, maybe like a year and a half ago, two years ago. The amount of shiitake mushrooms that they got over that episode, like I knew that there were the, what are they called? Arianators out there. I didn't know how insane they were. And then my friend Madison Brown who does these like incredible YouTube video essays. She came on here. What did we do? We did an episode about um, (laughs) comparing female pop stars to each other. Uh Uh-oh. Anyway, she like six months ago made a video about this and the whole notion of Ariana Grande not being a girl's girl. And in her video, which I completely agreed with, she literally was not condoning what Ariana did, but then she was also saying, well, Maybe it could have come, you know, she's had like a very traumatic life. Like here's a perspective on how to look at it. And then she got flamed for being too nice to Ariana. So beyond the blinds, it's like Goldilocks. They're like, you were too mean to her. And then Madison was like, you gave her too much grace. And now, you know, I'm going to do what I do best, which is talk about um, both sides of the celebrity and have, you know, both camps mad at me. So we're going to get into it and see what happened. So um, let's start a little bit with her early life just to get our palate, our beak wet here. Ariana Grande, she grew up well, dude. She grew up in Boca Raton, Florida. She was in this gated community. It was expensive, these nice, bougie, Mediterranean-style homes. Her mom, Joan, who she's very close to, um, you know, she was well-educated. She had this business where she sold marine communications equipment, and her father is a graphic designer. Now, her parents split up when she was eight, but when Ariana was growing up, everything was very, like, musical, 
theater, performance, singing. Apparently her household was really big on characters. So the theme of her third birthday was Jaws. At Halloween, she would run around the house in one of those Jason masks and her mom, Joan, would buy animal organs and leave them floating in dishes and just kind of like lean into the spookiness and the theatrics. And Ariana Grande, her talent came out really early. So her mom remembers this car ride when Ariana was three and a half and NSYNC was playing in the car and Ariana kept singing and she would perfectly match every single high note. And then they got a karaoke machine in the house and everybody like Ariana, her half brother, Frankie, her mom, they were always singing and Ariana would be singing Whitney, Madonna, Mariah, Celine, Barbara Streisand, like all of that stuff. Now, something else that I think is interesting is Ariana was very gravitated to Broadway. They saw Jersey Boys on Broadway close to 60 times. She's talked about her love for Wicked way before she was cast in the upcoming screen adaptation. Um, And she was also very, very interested in Judy Garland. She was obsessed with Judy Garland. Ariana says, um, as a child, I would stand in front of the TV and mimic her body movements. I was always fascinated. She carried herself in a way that was so protected and soft and Judy. And I just find that a little bit interesting because both Judy Garland and Ariana Grande have a very tragic story of a life of, um, you know, being a young girl in the entertainment industry, being taken advantage of, being, you know, groped, being allegedly abused. I remember, I think it was, I did an episode about old Hollywood stars with Serena Shahidi, aka Glam Demon. And I remember this story, like, God, it was so awful, about how Judy Garland, like, went into some executive's office and he had her sing, I think it was, like, America the Beautiful or the National Anthem, and he kept, like, groping her as she would sing, saying like, you have to, if you can sing while you're uncomfortable, then like, imagine how well you'll sing when you're not uncomfortable. Like she was taken advantage of deeply, deeply as a child and, and as an adult too, honestly, her life is really tragic. Um, and we're going to get into Dan Schneider soon, but Ariana Grande was also treated very inappropriately when she was working as a child, a very young child. Um, and then we're also going to talk about later too, She was also, remember when she was groped by that pastor at Aretha Franklin's funeral? So it's just interesting that this was like her, I don't know, childhood idol, and they kind of have some similarities there. So growing up, she did a lot of local children's theater, and then she got a role in a Broadway, in the Broadway musical 13, when she was 14. And then weeks after the musical closed, she was cast in the Nickelodeon show Victorious as Cat Valentine, the kind of goofy sidekick. Um, and she became a star as like a tweenager, basically. She says about this quote, I never really saw myself as an actress, but when I started talking about wanting to make R&B music at 14, they were like, what the fuck would you sing about? This is never going to work. You should audition for some TV shows and build yourself a platform and get yourself out there because you're funny and cute and you should do that until you're old enough to make the music you want to make. So I did that. I booked that TV show and then I was like, okay, now can I make music? And since we are incorporating in this timeline her looks... I don't know. I feel like some people, most people would probably know this. Um, Ariana Grande, like back in the day before she was on Victoria, she had this thick, wavy, curly, dark brown, almost like black hair. And her skin was white. (laughs) It's just so fun. I mean, like you can tell that it's the same face, but it it would also look like a, a different person if you saw Ariana in like 2008 versus Ariana of today. And not just because of puberty, okay? You guys know what I'm talking about. Also, in 2008, this is when we get rare photos of her smiling, showing the right side of her face. You know how Ariana is always like, it has to be the left side of my face for everything. That was like the original kind of diva reputation she started to get. So then in 2009, she shapeshifts for the first time, but this is due to her role on the show. And this is when we see her with that bright red hair that she had. Um, So... You know, Ariana Grande has basically spoken very openly about what the Disney role made her do. She said, I had to bleach my hair and dye it red every other week for the four, for the first four years of playing cat, as one would assume that completely destroyed my hair. And then in 2014, when she was doing um, 
Sam and Cat, this like Nickelodeon spinoff, she said, I now wear a wig on Sam and Cat. My real hair is back to brown and I wear extensions, but I wear it in a ponytail because my actual hair is so broken that it looks absolutely ratchet. Her saying it, not me. And absurd when I let it down. So now I just want to talk a little bit because we're also kind of tying in potential trauma and tragic events that have happened in her life into this timeline. When she was on Victorious, that was a show run by Dan Schneider. If you listen to this podcast, you probably already know who he is, but he was this Nickelodeon bigwig. He started writing and producing the sketch comedy show All That in 1993, and then he left to run the Amanda show with Amanda Bynes. He then launched Drake and Josh in 2004, and following that, he did Zoe 101, iCarly, Victorious, Sam and Cat, Henry Danger, Game Shakers, and a bunch of other shows. He was the Nickelodeon moneymaker. And in all of these shows that he worked on, which obviously were all children's show, he's working with children and child talent. There's a lot of scenes in these shows that I think as a kid, I probably watched and just went like, oh my God, ha ha ha, that's so funny. Or to do a cat Valentine, hee hee hee, <laughs> so funny. Um, but when you rewatch it as an adult, there's a hundred percent suggestive adult scenes like basically in Sam and Cat and Victorious Ariana Grande she plays this role of Cat Valentine this kind of like ditzy um idiot naive redhead and in both of these shows they had like a website called the slap that the characters would work in it was kind of I don't know like a version of their Facebook or something so there was a category on the website called Cat's Random Thoughts and it would just be like video messages from Cat, aka Ariana Grande, doing these like fun, quirky things. But when you look back on it, it's like really sexual and vulnerable. There's scenes where she's sticking fingers towards the back of her throat, pouring water over her chest, trying to shove her foot into her mouth, trying to squeeze a potato to get juice out of it, which just looks like she's jerking off the potato. Um, all of the episodes were written and directed by Dan Schneider, in which she did these things. You know, when she's pouring water over herself, she's screaming, I'm soaking wet. I'm going to insert just the audio of some of these clips, and it's a little bit hard to listen to. And just like, just imagine there's visuals that go along with this. So here's a little snippet of some of the clips of Ariana. Have you ever said something, like a sentence, and thought to yourself, wow, like I bet nobody else on earth has ever said those exact words that I just said. That happens to me a lot. So now, just for fun, I'm gonna say three sentences that I bet not one person has ever said before in the history of mankind. Sentence number one. Oh man, my uvula got stuck between that hamster's toes. See, that could never happen because your uvula is that swingy thing in the back of your throat right here. So there's no way you could get it stuck between a hamster's toes. Sentence number three. I'm soaking wet! Quick, somebody bring me the ocean! No one would ever say that. Why? Because if you were soaking wet and you were upset about it, the last thing you'd want is for somebody to bring you the ocean. Because the ocean is even more wet than even the wettest person in the world. Have you ever tried to get your whole big toe in your mouth? Check this out! Sometimes I wonder if you can get juice from a potato. Is it possible for a teenage girl to drink water upside down? Mmm, I'm thirsty! It's not possible! This has been me in a video! So you might be wondering what's her relationship with Dan Schneider after the show. Ariana has maintained a good relationship with Dan Schneider. Other members of his shows have not, and we'll get into that. But 
What Ariana has had to say about him, she says, I want to thank Nickelodeon for making a childhood dream of mine come true, for being a family to me, for being so accommodating and supportive of my multitasking with my music career, and for, of course, introducing me to many of my fans however many years ago. I want to thank Dan Schneider for allowing me to play such a special, beautiful character who I hid behind for so long, and then she refers to Dan Schneider as a true friend of mine. It's also interesting to note, if you Google image like Dan Schneider, you're going to see all of these photos of him. He was like this big guy on Nickelodeon with kind of like a bowl cut, I don't know, like popular back in the 90s. Um, And just like round features, like a round red nose. And he would always be posing with the girls. Sometimes they were like sitting in his lap or he would be in the hot tub with Amanda Bynes, which is like also weird that one of the aspects of the Amanda show was having this child, Amanda, in a hot tub interviewing guests, some of which were like, you know, full grown adult men. But if you went looking for Dan Schneider today, you wouldn't be able to find him because he looks drastically different. There's a photo from a few years ago that Ariana Grande posted with him backstage. He has lost, I don't know what the number is, but he's lost a huge amount of weight. His hair is different. He now wears glasses and he has like a full beard covering his face. It looks like two completely different people. And I just think, you know, what's the reason why he changed? (laughs) Maybe he, maybe he learned a thing or two from Ariana Grande. She's like, have you ever tried changing your entire appearance and personality? (laughs) Anyway, despite Ariana saying good things about Dan Schneider, tons of other Nickelodeon alum have spoken out against him. So Daniela Monet, who was in Victorious, she talks about how a lot of the scenes on the shows were sexualized. She expressed concern about a scene where her character ate a pickle while applying lip gloss, but Nickelodeon went ahead and they aired the scene. She said, do I wish certain things didn't have to be so sexualized? Yeah, 100%. And then she also revealed that Dan Schneider preferred the cast to wear, quote, skimpier options or whatever was the most revealing while working on the show. And then Jeanette McCurdy, who was Ariana Grande's co-star on Sam and Cat, in her recently released memoir, she talked about Dan Schneider. She didn't call him by name. She referred to somebody called the creator, but like, you know who it is. And she, Jeanette McCurdy in her book talks about how she was supplied with alcohol to ease her nerves, even though she was under the legal drinking age. Everybody assumes that, you know, she's referring to Dan Schneider making her do this. She talks about how she was sexualized in a bunch of instances, like doing a photo shoot in a bikini during a wardrobe fitting or being made to redo her on-screen kisses multiple times, even when she was visibly uncomfortable. She said she was, quote, terrified of being looked at at a sexual being. And then she also said that this, quote, creator gave her shoulder massages without her consent. She says, quote, my shoulders do have a lot of knots in them, but I don't want the creator to be the one rubbing them out. I want to say something to tell him to stop, but I'm so scared of offending him. She also mentions in her memoir that when she left Nickelodeon, the network offered her $300,000 as hush money to not speak about her journey, you know, on the show, but she refused it. And then we also have another star, Alexa Nicholas, and she was in Zoe 101, which once again was a show created by Dan Schneider. And she protest uh, Nickelodeon headquarters in 2022, holding a sign that said Nickelodeon didn't protect me. And she says, I did not feel protected at Nickelodeon as a child. I'm demanding that Nickelodeon starts protecting children and predators. She called out Dan Schneider by name. She referred to him as the creator of childhood trauma, saying that she didn't feel safe around him. And every time he came on set, my body got extremely tense. Five days after her protest, there was this insider investigation that was published against Dan Schneider. Now, Ariana Grande hasn't said anything against him. Nickelodeon hasn't said anything against him, but he did leave the Nickelodeon network in 2018. And this was because of accusations of him being abusive, but they tried to kind of like boogeyman pivot it and say that he was verbally abusive towards his colleagues. There was nothing, you know, from Nickelodeon's mouth about him sexualizing child actors, etc. But it's just like, come on, dude. Like, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to read in between the lines here. Um, and there were a bunch of anonymous sources who, you know, were uh, filing all of these complaints against him and saying that the young stars were sexualized. 
There's also been rumors for a while of Dan Schneider having a foot fetish. And a lot of people are like, oh my God, Nickelodeon, their logo was the orange foot. And there would be weird things like Dan Schneider at one point on his own Twitter account posted a picture of like the girl's feet. They would always make girls do things with their feet on these shows. And it's definitely insidious when you think of the fact that Dan Schneider had a foot fetish. But I think as a kid, I didn't think anything of it. I was just like, feet are stinky, you know, like big clompers, like toes, wiggle toes. Those those are so gross and silly. Um, it, you know, obviously it reads different now, knowing what we know. And at one point, Dan Schneider posted a screenshot of something that the girls were doing with their feet on Nickelodeon. And he asked people on Twitter to send in pictures of their toes and their feet, which is just like nasty, you know? And the one thing that the Dan Schneider source basically acknowledged and admitted to was that Dan Schneider had asked for massages. And the source said, quote, he regrets ever asking anyone and agrees it was not appropriate, even though it only happened in public settings. And I just have to say, like, what is it with all of these gross creeps bastardizing the spa and massage industry. Like the fact that Jeffrey Epstein was all about spas, the bath that Harvey Weinstein would always come out in a bathrobe and ask for a massage. And, um, you know, Ghislaine Maxwell sending these girls to massage training and Dan Schneider asking for a massage. Like, Oh my God. It's like, I, 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 I don't know. As you can tell, I'm at a loss for words, but I just don't like seeing how, it's a theme coming up time and time again. So anyway, um, in 2013, kind of on the transformation timeline, after Victorious ended, Ariana Grande took her hair back to like the shiny brown long, and then she would just wear the red wig for Sam and Cat. Now we're going to get into her first relationship. It's technically not the first, but I'm just like doing the big ones. So in October 2014, she is confirmed to be dating Big Sean. She calls him, quote, one of the most amazing men in the whole world. And a source at us says it's gotten serious very fast. Now, this is a little bit of drama. And this is where the homewrecking allegations first come as well. Because Naya Rivera from Glee was dating Big Sean before Ariana Grande. They split up in April 2014. And in Naya's book, she says that she was on a break with Big Sean or they were technically still dating, but they were kind of fighting. And she found Ariana Grande at his home. This is what she writes in her book. We'd been fighting for five days straight while he was traveling. And then on the one day that he was back in LA, he said he didn't want to see me. Well, asshole, I've got a key to your house. So I walk in, go downstairs, and guess what little girl is sitting cross-legged on the couch listening to music? It rhymes with Shmariana Smondre. And look, once again, you don't need to be a open heart surgeon doctor (laughs) to figure out what's going on there. I'm sure that cheating happened a hundred percent. Like if I had a gun to my head, I would say, of course there was overlap and Big Sean and Ariana Grande were hooking up while he was still with Naya Rivera. Now that being said, I do want to know that if anyone's going to get the blame for this, Big Sean absolutely gets way more than 50% of the blame for this. He was the one who was in a relationship He was the one lying to his girlfriend. He was the one betraying her. He was the one who misled her and said, oh, I don't want to see you. Um, You know, it's just anyway. And I would be remiss to say, I think you can call Ariana Grande a homewrecker, a cheater, allegedly. You cannot say, and I know we're going to get to this when we talk about Ethan Slater's wife, but to say that like she's not a girl's girl I think is just the stupidest thing ever because like nobody has ever given Big Sean shit for like not being a boy's boy or I don't know. You know Big Sean has probably done more cheating in his life than Ariana Grande. Like so many celebrities do. And I'm not saying, I like already hear the tip type of comments. But in this instance, Big Sean is absolutely, absolutely more to blame. And I've heard people talk about this and Ariana Grande's stands are always like, They didn't cheat. She was just sitting on the couch. And to those stands, I just have to say, with love in my heart, I feel like you don't have a lot of life experience. Okay? Come on. We know what happened. We know what happened. Anyway, we're now in 2015. Ariana is, you know, she's getting a little bit more slightly tan at this point, but she still has the long brown hair. 
She looks about the same. In 2015, she calls it quits with Big Sean. And then in the summer of uh, 2015, she gets with her backup dancer, Ricky. So they were together for a bit. He was with her when Donut Gate happened and she licked that donut in the store and said that she hates Americans. <laughs> anyway, um, but they split two months later. It seems like they're on good terms though. Uh, when she put out the song, Thank You Next, he posted this clip of himself listening to the song and then Ariana jokingly responded, I'm sorry you got the worst line. It was meant very lovingly because she has, of course, in the song, Thank You Next, wrote some songs about Ricky. Now I listen and laugh. So now we're in 2016, Ariana releases Dangerous Woman, a banger of an album, and this is when she slowly starts to transform, okay? Her tan is getting deeper and deeper. She's rocking the high-volume ponytail with, like, very long extensions in it. There's this one photo in late 2016 where she goes to the American Music Awards, and she's so tanned that it almost looks photoshopped. Today's episode is brought to you by Way. My hair is incredibly important to me, almost to a cripplingly high effect. If my hair looks good, I feel good. I feel more confident. I actually go outside of my house because I want to show it off. And I just find myself being a little bit more social, staying out longer because I want to show off the do. So if you want to get on your way <laughs> to good hair days in just five minutes, you can try their new hair gloss. It gives you immediate shine straight out of the shower. It smells incredible. And you can just put it on as you shave your legs, wash your pits, <laughs> rub your pubes. Exactly what you do in the shower is up to you. There's also a bunch of other great way products. They have a leave-in conditioner, a detox shampoo. I am super into them to get all that gunk out of your scalp and a really nice hair oil. I love using that on the ends of my hair just to give them a little bounce bounce. So if you want to give your hair a glow up, you can do so with way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and use promo code fluently for 15% off any product. That is T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com with the promo code fluently. Um, so then she starts dating Mac Miller in this year, 2016. And if you want to look at things from the perspective of, is she changing her appearance based on who she dates between Ricky and Mac, she does definitely get more tanner and kind of more into like the Instagram baddie look for like lack of a better word. Now in 2017, we get our second instance of trauma. I'm just kind of counting the, the Dan Schneider as the first one. May 22nd, 2017, this is the Manchester bombing, the deadly explosion at the end of her concert in Manchester. It leaves 22 people dead and over 500 people injured. Um, and Ariana does an interview later that year in 2017 talking about how the event still affects her. She says, I guess I thought with time and therapy and writing and pouring my heart out and talking to my friends and family that it would be easier to talk about, but it's still so hard to find the words. When you're close to something so tragic and terrifying and opposite of what music and concerts are supposed to be, it kind of leaves you without any ground beneath your feet. So now we're in 2018. Um, she still has the long, shiny brown hair. She's tan, but not suspiciously tan yet. And throughout different times in 2018, she kind of swaps her standard high ponytail for a low side part version in ash blonde. She's starting to get a little bit of blonde highlights in her hair. Now, in May 2018, Ariana Grande and Mac Miller break up. She opens up about their split on Instagram. She says, quote, I respect and adore him endlessly, and I'm grateful to have him in my life in any form at all times, regardless of how our relationship changes or what the universe holds for us. And then Mac Miller also gives his own perspective. He says, I was in love with somebody. We were together for two years. We worked through good times, bad times, stress, and everything else. And then it came to an end, and we both moved on. And it's that simple. Now, what isn't simple is that, according to my timeline, nine days after they break up, Ariana Grande and Pete Davidson are reported to be together. It's giving, it's giving Traitor by Olivia Rodrigo, you know, and she's like, I know damn well that you couldn't be in love with somebody else that quickly. Ain't it funny? Anyway, so you're going to see too, this is a... um. This is a theme with Ariana Grande. This is a big fucking theme that she will end something with one person and then literally days, literally days later, be with somebody new. Now, this is where we get our second allegation of alleged home wrecking, and it's not technically home wrecking. I'm going to say this for Ariana. She did not 
home wreck, but Pete Davidson was sketchy. Um, Pete Davidson, before he got together with Ariana Grande, he had been dating Cassie David, that's right, Larry David's daughter, for two and a half years. And Cassie David planned to break up with him before going on this long trip with her family to South Africa in May 2018. She wrote about this in her book, uh, you know, wanting to break up with Pete Davidson. She describes it as this exceptionally hard task. And she says, to think about hurting someone, let alone someone you love, let alone someone who is codependent, the first time you met, it was immediate, grotesque, middle school crush infatuation. And that feeling never subsided. And she talks a little bit about his mental health struggles in terms of dating him. Pete Davidson has been open talking about his borderline personality disorder. And I feel like we've seen instances of this in terms of him getting together and like diving head ass first really quickly into relationships with people doing very you know grandiose gestures of love I think we all remember God knows I haven't forgotten when not only did he get tattoos of Kim Kardashian's children on him but he also was branded he was branded and just since we're talking about the difference of male and female celebrities and how we talk about them in this episode if who's if Sydney Sweeney got branded like a few months after dating someone, she would be in a conservator so fast it would make your head spin and snap off of your neck. And Pete Davidson like is just getting like all these different tattoos for different women, breaking up, dating someone else. Like forget about Taylor Swift, Pete Davidson village bicycle like my god I think he's dated like 35 people in the past couple of years anyway but Cassie David here talks about his mental health struggles and how that was in relation to dating him she said previously self-harm and suicide threats had come about from trivial circumstances incidents that would go from zero to a hundred which were so momentarily urgent like the last minute of an escape room before the time goes off except I'm the only one in the room and the clues are all tricks and once he was back in a good headspace I wouldn't be able to bring myself to do it either aka breaking up with him I was too mentally exhausted to do anything besides emotionally recover from the chaos of the week before and I really feel for her. I remember I had a friend in college who um, wanted to break up with this guy. And each time she tried to bring it up, he would threaten suicide. And she stayed with him for like two and a half years just because he was like basically, would, not like emotionally blackmailing her, but like, on, I mean, that, honestly, that's what I would consider it. Like, you can't do that to someone. Anyway, so... um. It just seems a little bit of a peek into what was happening. So they went on a break. Cassie said that she called Pete Davidson just a few days after this break, after initially calling things off, and she called him up. Why don't you just call Pete Davidson up? She called him up with the intention of reconciling. But when they started talking on the phone, she says, he told me that he was now the happiest he had ever been, and he wanted to continue our time apart. This 180 uh, wasn't what I expected, but it wasn't unfamiliar. I said, okay, and that I loved him, tears streaming down my face, and he hung up quickly. Now, a day after that phone call, Pete Davidson breaks up with her over text message. And she was the one who had, you know, wanted to end things, but they were on a break. She changed her mind, and then he ended things over text. And then the day after that, she's on a plane with her dad, Larry David. She's scrolling through Twitter. And she says, quote, I saw that my ex of one day had a new girlfriend, Ariana Grande. I think I probably left my human body. My dad held me as I shook uncontrollably in his arms for the entire flight. She says that the thought of Pete Davidson, quote, immediately falling in love, accompanied by audio of her baby voice whispering sweet nothings in his ear, dubbed over his past declarations of love and trust to me. She continues and says, the first thing I saw was a picture he had uploaded of himself with his hands covering his face to show off his new finger tattoos. Keep in mind, they had been broken up for two days. Okay, anyway. My name, which had been written in cursive across his ring finger, was now covered over with black ink. Another tattoo he had of my favorite emoji, yes, I know how fucking absurd that sounds, was now replaced with a matching tattoo he got with her of what I guess was her favorite emoji. So was this cheating? Was this cheating? 
It depends. I mean, do you think that two people can fall incredibly deeply in love to the point that they're getting tattoos with each other and it's being reported that they're in a relationship within the time span of anywhere from 48 to 72 hours? Maybe. I guess you could maybe. I would imagine either both Pete Davidson and Ariana Grande are psychotic and there was no cheating and they just fell in love with each other in 48 hours or there was some overlap. Because it seems like there's a history of overlap here. Um, But, you know, just to not anger the stands, let's say that technically, because technically, no, technically, it wasn't cheating. But I know she was streaming Traitor by Olivia Rodrigo. Then Cassie David also says that she noticed that Pete Davidson was wearing a hair tie around his wrist in this Instagram photo that he posted. Um, And then she goes, he used to always take my hair ties off my arm and put them on so he could, quote, wear a piece of me. I felt like I was being terrorized. Was he just repeating everything that I thought had made our relationship special with someone else one day later? So now I would say Cassie David is streaming Traitor and she's also streaming Deja Vu. Like, oh my God, it's really giving this hour album. Now, this next part that Cassie David talks about, I love it. Like, she's being so raw and honest in here. And I'm sure people who are fans of Ariana Grande were like, she's being so mean, blah, blah, blah. I love it. Like, I want to know what these celebrities are thinking and feeling. And she's like giving us everything. This next part I really want to share because I think this is how Joe Alwyn currently feels. Cassie David says, even though it wasn't a regular relationship or even a regular celebrity relationship, it was abnormally unavoidable. It was everywhere and obsessed over by everyone. Even people's out-of-touch parents knew about it. The two of them offered their relationship to the media eagerly and with pleasure, like a suicidal brunette walking into Ted Bundy's apartment. Okay, like me walking into Ted Bundy's apartment. Cassie David then says that while she tried her best to avoid any coverage of their romance by not looking at their, her phone, quote, the few times I did, I would come across their new photos or tattoos or statements and the relentless articles. I avoided the Explorer page at all costs. It was a legitimate war zone. Any scrolling would have killed off the few living cells that I had. She went on to admit that she kept track of her friends who liked something that implied support of either of them, explaining that she felt betrayed by that double tap. I couldn't see past my own experience, so it was as if the entire internet was pouring alcohol over my opened wound. You have no choice but to quit, right? You have to quit your phone and quit life. After sobbing in a DC club bathroom about the split, Cassie ended up leaving the club after one of Ariana's songs came on. Quote, ironically enough, on the way back to the hotel, my manager texted me to remind me not to say anything to anyone about what was happening or it could end up on the internet. Cassie David later admitted, I cannot adequately put into words the type of aggravation that occurs after eight days in a row of waking up with one of her songs about being really good at sex stuck in your head. So I'm guessing it was like side to side. I've been here all night. It felt like an authentic form of torture meant to personally make me go insane forever. And once again, I know people are probably like, Cassie David is so mean talking about all of this. I'm eating it up. Like the... I just am so drawn to things that feel authentic and that feels incredibly fucking authentic. Not to mention, I do feel like these honest raw thoughts are kind of the first peek at what we could get of what Joe Alwyn must be feeling seeing Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey or Maddie Healy everywhere because, um, you know, Ariana and Pete were huge and Cassie here is saying, They're on the Explore page, they're on articles, they're on magazines, like I literally cannot escape them. And Taylor and Travis arguably are like six times bigger than Ariana and Pete were. So I'm sure Joe Alwyn is like, I literally cannot escape what is happening. Now, this next part of what Cassie David said, I just like really enjoyed this. I hope you guys are too. (laughs) I know it's like kind of off from the timeline, but I'm a sucker for the juice. So, ew, why the... (laughs) I, oh, I'm so sorry, guys. I don't don't like how I said that. I'm going to rephrase that. I'm a sucker for the gossip. And I'm just not going to say anything about juice. Ew. (laughs) Okay. But this next part I want to share because what Cassie David is talking about in her experience that I'm about to read Like I thought her past experience related to Joe Alwyn, I believe that what I'm about to read from Cassie David relates to how Lily J, Ethan Slater's ex-wife, what she's experiencing. 
So, shortly after news of Pete and Ariana's romance broke, Cassie masochistically decided to check her Instagram notifications only to find countless messages from Ariana's fans. Quote, they wanted to really make sure that I knew I was inferior to her in every way, which is stupid because like, or which is absurd because like, how stupid do you think I would have to be to not be aware of that in this moment in time? Um, turning to her friends for support, Cassie recalled a phone conversation with a friend in which they compared Ariana Grande to a fucking little bunny and dubbed her Instagram hot. Cassie, meanwhile, was described as Renaissance painting pretty. Despite her best intentions, quote, the comparisons wouldn't get out of my head, Cassie admitted. I know you're not supposed to compare yourself to other women, blah, 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 but how the fuck could I not when other people were? And then her dad said, uh, well, you know, like, at least you're like Jennifer Aniston, blah, blah, blah. And then Cassie goes, well, Brad and Angelina weren't commenting on each other's Instagrams every other day, saying that they were the loves of each other's lives after a week. And they weren't defending their own actions by throwing their former partners under the bus or spreading gratuitous PDA all over the internet. So Cassie David said that she suffers from anxiety and seeing all of the attention about Pete and Ariana made her want to, quote, self-induce a coma and not wake up for years, but even years didn't seem like it would be enough time to feel normal. Never waking up would be my first option. I don't know. I thought intensely wanting to die. I think intensely wanting to die is the only thing you can truly feel as a result of watching the entire world fawn over people who are simultaneously bringing you so much pain. And I feel like um, that's probably how Joe Alwyn is feeling. I will say, at least for Lily J, like she probably is at the wrath of all of these insane Ariana Grande stands, but at least nobody's on the side of Ariana and Ethan Slater right now. Like everybody knows what they did was nasty. Anyway, and then after a month, they got engaged, which is just like ridiculous. They show it off on Instagram stories. She's back to the brown hair. In August, she drops the album Sweetener. Um, In September 1st, just because I'm adding trauma in here, she was groped by that pastor. Disgusting. She ended up um, not... This was with the bishop at Aretha Franklin's funeral where she sang a song in tribute. And then he kind of like put his arm over her shoulder and they moved to the podium And his arm was kind of around her like shoulder back, but his fingers were right on her breast, like wrapping around. And he like multiple times was like digging into her breast with his fingers. And you can tell she's uncomfortable. She's looking at the people behind her like, can you help me? Um, And she didn't file a complaint. She said, oh, she regarded the breast contact as accidental and she just wants to move on. If I was a betting woman, I would think that she didn't feel like it was an accident, but she did want to move on. And I, I, you know, you can't blame her for that. You don't want to be associated with that. So now we're still in 2018, and this is when we get another trauma just six days later, or no, five days later. And this is when Mac Miller passes away on September 6th. Uh, He dies of an overdose. She takes a break from social media And then she later posts an emotional tribute to him on Instagram, which is one of the most liked pictures in Instagram history. Then a few months later, after Mac Miller dies, she calls off her engagement to Pete Davidson in October. Um, And also just to check in on the transformation timeline, in between dating Mac Miller and Pete Davidson, her appearance doesn't really change. It's kind of the same. Now, in 2018, she also does an interview with Vogue, and she talks a little bit about her trauma post-Manchester, and she says it's hard to talk about because so many people have suffered such severe, tremendous loss. But yeah, it's a real thing. I know those families and my fans and everyone there experienced a tremendous amount of it as well. Time is the biggest thing. I feel like I shouldn't even be talking about my own experience, like I shouldn't even say anything. I don't think I'll ever know how to talk about it and not cry. And she just talks about her anxiety. You can tell she's really going through it. And she later refers to her relationship with Pete Davidson as, quote, a great distraction, which is like such a burn. But also, I feel like pretty honest, you know, Um, who knows? So 2019, January, we this is a few months after she calls off her engagement with Pete Davidson. We get a transformation change. In January, she puts out the video for her single Seven Rings, and this is when she first gets the controversy over accusations of blackfishing. Her skin is significantly darker, 
And this is around the time where she starts changing her voice as well. Now, in terms of the trauma timeline, in 2019, she posts uh, some images on Instagram of a brain scan that she did, and it shows her post-traumatic stress disorder. So she shows an image of what a normal brain looks like and what a PTSD brain looks like, and her brain lights up like a fucking Christmas tree, like more so than the stock image of the PTSD brain. Um And then she posts another uh, image on Instagram saying, didn't mean to startle anyone with my brain thingy. It just blew me away. I found it informative and interesting and wanted to encourage you all to make sure you check on your brains, listen to your bodies, blah, blah, blah. She loves science. She likes seeing the physical reality of what's going on in there. Someday when she's feeling more ready or healed up, they can talk about it. She's always working on her health and learning how to process her pain, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, in 2019, she also does another Vogue interview and she does talk more kind of about the dark things that have gone on in her life. Um, And she says this quote, which I think is really interesting. She says, I'm a person who's been through a lot and doesn't know what to say about any of it to myself, let alone the world. I see myself on stage as this perfectly polished, great at my job entertainer. And then in situations like this, I'm just this little basket case puddle of figuring it out. I have to be the luckiest girl in the world and the unluckiest for sure. I'm walking this fine line between healing myself and not letting the things that I've gone through be picked at before I'm ready. And also celebrating the beautiful things that have happened in my life and not feeling scared that they'll be taken away from me because trauma tells you that they will be. You know what I mean? So then in February of 2019, she releases Thank You Next, and she goes on the Sweetener World Tour, and we have a moment in June of this year where she breaks down several times, and this is when she's crying on stage, she's having breakdowns on stage, it's obvious that she's just being kind of held together by a thread, Um, and there's a concert that takes place in Mac Miller's hometown of Pittsburgh almost a year after his death, and she cries on stage multiple times. Um, Then a few months later, in November 2019, she cancels her concert in Kentucky because she's having a scary battle with an unknown illness. She says that she was, quote, in so much pain and has been sick since her mid-October shows. They don't really say what her illness is, but I would just imagine, like, the girls going through it. Today's episode is brought to you by Quince. If you are looking to upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices, you can do so with Quince. They have a range of high quality items that are all priced within reach. They have 100% cashmere sweaters for only $50. And I got this incredible, cute, cute cashmere beanie for my niece for under 20 bucks. Um, which by the way, Quince has everything clothing for you. They also have a baby and toddler section, which I think is so great. If you're getting gifts for your friends, you want it to be nice, but you don't want to spend like a hundred dollars on something for a baby that they're going to outgrow. So I love using Quince for that. If you want to indulge in affordable luxury, you can go to quince.com slash fluently for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q U I N C E.com slash fluently to get free shipping and 365 days return. Quince.com slash fluently. So whether you want something for a baby, toddler, your partner, yourself, you can get washable silk tops, 14 karat gold jewelry, and much more at Quince. So now we're in 2020. She releases the album Positions in October and is engaged to Dalton Gomez in December. So then we're in 2021, and this is where we get a big transformation from her. So in March, she announces that she's going to be on The Voice. And this is where we get some serious shape shifting. A lot of people are focused on her eyes. It looks like she must have gotten eyelid surgery. The lids almost look like they're gone. Her eyes are huge. There's a lot of blank space in between her eyes and her eyebrows. And we get people online who are saying that they're believing that she's kind of transforming into K-pop. Her hair is down for the first time in like, not a decade, but like eight years. She's wearing it in a side part, and she's doing lots of lilac, pastels, soft colors, almost kind of like a wishy-washy, dreamy aesthetic. Um, So yeah, people compare her to being in her K-pop era. This also could be because she's in her positions era. You know, she's all like, oh, I'm wifey. I'm with Dalton. Who knows? Um, And then in May of 2021, she gets married to Dalton Gomez. 2022, this is when we see her with blonde hair because this is before, you know, she gets the role, but she is about to be Glinda in Wicked. 
Now we are in 2023 and she is in Wicked and we see kind of more transformations of her. There's this picture of her in March 2023. She has the honey blonde hair, you know, the glossy pink lips, um, a subtle tan, but like pretty pale white skin. And she is skinny, like bones in the neck, no fat anywhere on the face. People haven't seen her from months before. This is when the internet starts to get serious um, with their comments. Is she doing okay? She doesn't look like she's doing okay. She makes a TikTok video um, looking incredibly skinny, saying that she's doing okay. And then in September 2023, she does one of those Vogue beauty secrets um, situations. And she talks about her skincare and her makeup you know, routine, but also her history with injectables. So we get a little bit of honesty from here. She says, full transparency, I've had a ton of lip filler over the years and Botox. I stopped in 2018 because I just felt it was so too much. I just felt like hiding, you know? For a long time, beauty was about hiding for me, and now I feel like maybe it's not. She then said that she wants to take a break from cosmetic procedures. She says, I was like, oh, I want to see my well-earned cry lines and smile lines. I hope my smile lines get deeper and I laugh more and more. I just think aging can be such a beautiful thing. Now, might I get a facelift in 10 years? I might, yeah, but these are just thoughts that I feel like we should be able to discuss. If we're sitting here talking about beauty secrets, fuck it. Let's lay it all out there. And now we enter the Ethan timeline. Ethan Slater and Ariana Grande. So, so December 2022, Ethan Slater joins the cast of Wicked alongside Ariana Grande. So Ariana joined the cast in 21, and his role wasn't confirmed until December 22. Now, in March 2023, um, we get a picture of them together. This is where you've probably seen the iconic picture of Ariana in her blonde hair and Ethan with his like orange curly hair like all over the place sitting next to each other they attend this Oscar party they're sitting next to each other at a table whatever July 17th 2023 remember that it's the 17th a source confirms to People Magazine that Ariana Grande and her husband Dalton Gomez have split now three fucking days later A source confirms to people that Ariana Grande and Ethan Slater are dating. He's married. Well, they're separated. Okay. It's just July 20th, 2023. So July 2023, Ethan is dating Ariana Grande. January 23, he had his first child with his wife. Let's do the math. January to February, to March, to April, to May, to June, to July. So seven months after, wah, 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 baby in the world, cut the cord, sew up your vagina, wear a diaper for two weeks. You have to wait six weeks to have sex, or I think 10. Your nipples are trapped and bleeding. Oh my God, baby's up in the night. Oh my God, how many diapers? Oh my God, you have to do eight diapers a day or more when they're young? All of this crying, crying. I'm exhausted. I'm like a zombie. And he's dating Ariana Grande. Mm, Dating Ariana Grande. So once again, we have the theme of overlap, okay? We had it with Mac Miller to Pete Davidson. And once again, a matter of days. And look, like... I know that I know that by the time the source hears the news about Ariana and Dalton splitting, they've probably been in the work of splitting, but still, this is absolutely wild. Because sure, have they been splitting? Yes, but you also know that Ariana Grande and Ethan Slater didn't start dating July 20th. They had been doing it for a while, okay? So six days later after it comes out that Ariana Grande and Ethan Slater are dating, six days after, Ethan Slater files for divorce from his wife, Lily J. And they were high school sweethearts. They had been together for, I believe, 15 years, married for five. And once again, she popped out his fucking child seven months prior. Like, I just cannot. I just cannot. Um... A day after he files for divorce, Lily J breaks her silence 
and gives a quote about what happened. She says, quote, Ariana's the story, really, not a girl's girl. My family is just collateral damage. And then she says that she's focused on raising the baby and being a good mom. And they ask her about Ariana Grande splitting from Dalton Gomez. And she just says the story is her and Dalton. Now, this is also a heinous detail. So a source comes forward and says that Ariana and Ethan had hung out with Lily and the newborn baby multiple times before the romance was revealed. Um, They had gone out to a lot of these dinners together in London. They had done like double dates. Ariana had hung out with Ethan and Lily. She had held the baby multiple times. And apparently after hanging out with them, she told a bunch of co-stars that she really wanted a baby one day after bonding with Lily and Ethan's. And there was this, um, the H3 podcast did like a breakdown of this relationship. And they were saying like, that would be psychotic for Ethan or Ariana to say like, oh my God, let's hang out with Lily. So the conclusion they came to, which I kind of agree with, is that Lily probably suggested that they all meet. And this is the thing about like infidelity and betrayal. Once you get more details, you then re-go through all of the trauma because now that you have this new detail, certain puzzle pieces don't fit anymore or certain things do line up or don't line up. And then you have to re-experience all of it because you were never given the full truth. So your brain's always going back and crawling through those memories trying to figure out what happened. So I would just imagine that Lily is like, oh my God, like we've been high school sweethearts. I supported you on Broadway. And he finds out kind of late in casting, oh my God, you're going to be part of Wicked. And when they find out he's part of Wicked, they already know Ariana's on the project. And Lily is probably like, oh my God, like you're going to be on set with Ariana Grande. Like that's incredible. Like what do you think she's going to be like? Like her voice is so good. Like I can't believe you're going to be like starring in a movie with Ariana Grande. That's so cool. And then he goes off to London they're probably talking over the phone. He's like, yeah, you know what? I had a couple scenes with her. Like she's really easy to work with. And she's like, oh my God, like, tell me more, tell me more. You know, like I want to hear about Ariana. Then she bundles up the baby. I think the baby's like five, six months at this point. They go over. Um, oh, Ariana. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. At this point, they're probably fucking already. So she asks about Ariana, by the way. I'm like literally deluding. I'm like going down on such a tangent, but I would imagine, right? She's there with the baby. This is what happened in my mind. At this point, Ethan and Ariana have already done the dirty. And Lily says to Ethan, so how is it going with Ariana? And Ethan goes, oh, oh, it's no big deal. Oh, it's no big deal. Um, Yeah, yeah, it's good. You know, we're actually in a lot of scenes together. Uh, We've been hanging out a lot. But yeah, she's, you know, great, great to work with. And And Lily probably goes, oh, my God, we should all get dinner. Like, this is incredible. Like, are you kidding me? Like, I would love a chance to meet her. Like, that's so great that she's easy to work with. Like she's not a diva. Like you guys are getting along. Like, I love that. Like, let's all go get dinner. And then they go get dinner and she holds the baby like, Oh my God. So then we continue after that visit of when Lily and the newborn son went to London, you know, went on the double dates, blah, blah, blah. After that visit, she finds out that Ethan was having an affair with Ariana Grande. And she takes the noble high road of saying, look, let's try and put this behind us and let's work on our marriage. And he goes, absolutely. And he continues to have an affair with Ariana Grande. Then this insider says that Ethan blindsided his wife by filing for divorce. And the decision to officially end the marriage was entirely made by Ethan Slater. So this source notes that Lily believes that her husband was starstruck by Ariana and that he was bowled over by the glamour of being on a movie set with so many major stars for the very first time. Quote, he was starstruck. He was a new dad in a new country who had never been on a major movie set before. Um... Quote, Lily never wanted to be a part of the celebrity world. She doesn't want her name or the child's name dragged into this. She is now raising her son as a single mother, and there's no chance of redemption for Ethan as far as she is concerned. What this has done to her family is absolutely disgusting. And it's just like, um, here's the thing that like, I don't understand with all of the Ariana stands. Even if, even if Ethan and Lily broke up 
the second the baby was born and they were separated. So those seven months when he was hanging out with Ariana, you know, doing things, he was technically broken up. Wouldn't you still not, I'm, I'm just trying to get inside of the head space of a delusional, absolutely insane fucking psychotic Stan who can see no wrong. Even if you think that they were broken up, wouldn't you still not want her to be with Ethan Slater because you wouldn't want your idol Ariana Grande to be with a man who has such bad character that he leaves his wife of, well, partner, I should say, of 14 years after she had a baby? Like, especially having been up close and personal with my brother and sister having kids, that first year that you have a baby, honestly, the first two years, okay? The first two years are basically hell on earth. Like, even with two parents fully committed to parenting, it is still hell on earth, dude. And I just, like, cannot, like, so, like, what Ariana did was bad and she has a history of overlap and a history of doing this and the fact that she held the baby is so like sinister and sick to me but what Ethan Slater did is like actually incomprehensible to me that is such a nasty low life dirty rotten thing to do and I don't know if you guys have heard of the um kill the cheerleader effect it's like when a guy who's like an ugly nerd in high school ends up getting the chance to date a hot girl he ends up like fucking her over because um he just like has had this resentment towards like pretty popular girls for like 15 years and it like hasn't gone away. So he subconsciously wants to like hurt girls like that. Anyway, you should look up some like video YouTubes, some, some video, some YouTube videos on it. We're at the hour mark and starting to go a little bit crazy. Um, I, I don't know if he has that, but Lily J is beautiful. And obviously Ariana Grande is stunning too. And I just don't understand what this little pipsqueak bitch is doing to have anyone be into him like that is it's just such a nasty low life thing to do he was with this woman like I do not like Ethan Slater anyway then all of these sources in September of 23 start going to people and saying everybody's trying to question the timeline but Ariana and Ethan didn't begin seeing each other until both parties were separated respectfully absolutely not like here's the thing Here is the damn thing. Even if you fell in love, like you do not leave your wife with a newborn, seven month old newborn. I think by now the kid is probably like, I don't know, 13 months or something. But like that is just such a nasty low life thing to do. And is he even thinking of what his relationship with this child is going to be like in the future? Like, oh my God. So then in September, Ariana and Ethan just go fucking full TJ Holmes and Amy Robach and go to Disney Park together with a big group of friends, as well as Ariana's mom and brother. And they're all at Disney Park, one of their first public appearances as a couple. Then in October, she goes to support him at the Spamalot show. Then in December, they step out for dinner in New York City. And they are now like a full ass couple. And you know what's going to happen Actually, I could tell you what's going to happen. He's probably going to propose to Ariana Grande and she's probably going to say yes. And then she's going to call off the engagement and then she's going to have her third engagement ring. You have to go until you get seven, which I do think that is iconic if she actually gets seven engagement rings. Um, and, and then she's going to leave him for someone else because she is a leapfrogger. Is Ariana Grande a homewrecker? No. I am saying no definitively because... It is always the person within the goddamn home. Like, how hard is this to understand, people? They are the person who wrecked their own home. It's not Jordan Woods. It's Tristan Thompson. And it's not Ariana Grande. It's Ethan Slater and Big Sean and Pete Davidson. Like, they are the one within the home. So who is wrecking it? The person who's already in the home. It's just so ridiculous to me. And I know that there's like this idea that's so entrancing that Ariana Grande has this tight little magical seductress pussy that can grab any man and like lure him away from a woman. But all of these men are just weak character asshole shitbags. And I don't think she's a good person either. I think holding the baby is incredibly insidious. But did she wreck that home? Absolutely not. Because you should be with a man who could have any celebrity throw themselves at the guy and they would go get the fuck away from me. I am, I am with someone, you know? 
I think Ariana Grande herself is a leapfrogger. I think she's an overlapper in relationships. I think she's deeply insecure and traumatized and has a lot of stuff going on. But every single homewrecker in this instance is the man, like without a shadow of a doubt. Anyway, I feel like she's probably a bitch. I feel like she's probably a diva. I feel like she probably thinks that she's winning by going after someone who's like taken, which she hasn't always done. I will say that, you know, I don't think Mac Miller was. I don't think this Dalton Gomez guy was. Although I don't know, maybe I haven't done enough research. Anyway, um, she recently did an interview with Zach Sang. You know, you probably saw it. She's got the blonde hair. She's all dressed in red. I watched the 45-minute interview so that way I could tell you, don't waste your time, dude. Watch anything else. She just said a whole lot of nothing. They kept talking about how like, and now her voice is all different too. She's talking like Glinda. And he is sniffing farts so deep up her ass. When did I get in such a bad mood in the last six minutes? Anyway, but he's basically like, you're an actress. Like, what did it feel like to play the character of Glinda? And then they do this thing that I find so annoying and pretentious, but like, whatever, I'm not in theater, so maybe I don't get it, where they talk about Glinda in the third person and Ariana's like, spending time with Glinda? To be in a room with her and to spend so much time with her, I really learned a lot from her and I took aspects of her into my own life and she taught me how to be more confident and how to take up space. I learned a lot from her. Who is she? She doesn't have a pulse. She's a character. Like I just, ugh. I just find it so pretentious. Like I just don't, I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's due to the fact that my latte down the street that used to be 650 has now now gone up to 712. It has me in such a rage. I swear to God, I get like arsonistic whenever I think about it. But anyway, it just, the interviews from celebrities are not coming across well as lately. Oh, my craft. I, le- I learned so much taking on this character. Just take your $15 million check and go. Like you don't also need the fawning adoration from fans. Isn't the check enough? God, I am really on the fucking rag, guys. I don't know what happened. Um, anyway, but that is kind of the timeline. So in looking through the timeline, I try, I want, I was curious, maybe each time something traumatic happens, then she changes her appearance, or maybe it's after she gets with someone new that she changes her appearance. The only correlation I could really find I don't think it's trauma related. I don't think it's relationship related. It does seem like it's album related, which I feel like is typical for a pop star. Um, Is it egregious and kind of insane? Yes, but let's not forget, you know, Taylor Swift doesn't have a personal style. She just wears whatever is going to be an Easter egg for the next album. And Taylor Swift also faked a country accent. So I feel like what Taylor Swift has never changed up her race. But Justin Bieber has, you know, I feel like it's, um, I feel like pop stars are really egregious. And what I'm curious about is, are they doing this on their own or is there a studio slash record label, which is interesting that Scooter Braun manages both Ariana and Justin, is their management telling them to do something like that? I don't know. So anyway, a lot of thoughts. I'm so sorry. I know that I probably pissed off about 40% of you at some point throughout this episode, whether you love Ariana or hate her, or I was too easy on her or too hard, or I don't know. I also heard online that there was like Mac Miller might've been with a girl when Ariana Grande started dating him, but this is just a general 101 timeline. And we have not even covered Ariana Grande blind items. I think that will be the Wednesday mini episode, just pulling some recent ones to see how that plays in. But there we have it. A little dive on Ariana Grande. Thank you for hanging out with me. If you want to go and grab some merch, fluentlyforward.com slash merch. You can get items of apparel that have the quotes, hello, hello on it. We got very much in love. We got floozy. A lot of you guys have grabbed the floozy t-shirts, which I think is so fun. Um, Yeah, thanks for hanging out with me. And I will see you guys on Wednesday for some Ariana blind items. Bye, everybody.